is up Bruin Bible listeners we have another advertisement for you we are so lucky to be sponsored by the great people at Athletic Greens Uh, I started taking Athletic Greens specifically because I was lacking energy lacking focus throughout the day and needed some special pick-me-up ingredients to make things happen in my life Athletic Greens has done just that I've become absolutely addicted to the process it has over 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, adaptogens to make your life easier uh, by doing this during the day. I like to take it to start my mornings off. I like to do it before a workout. It makes you feel energized, focused, and just have a lot more energy throughout the day than I typically expected. But right now, is the, it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. Uh, That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Uh, To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LAFB. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash LAFB to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance Athletic Greens, a game changer when it comes to your health and your focus and your mindset. Now to the Bruin Bible. What's up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. Wanted to bring you the sponsors for today's episode, Bet Online, where the gambling starts. I've got a bunch of good bets going on right now. I've got the Lakers making the playoffs. We've got futures bets coming around for MLB baseball. March Madness is around the corner. NBA playoffs on the horizon, too. Make sure to check out all of the gambling and all of your gambling needs at Bet Online where the gambling starts. Make sure to use promo code LAFB to get a little discount. Uh, everything is great on Bet Online. I use it weekly for all my gambling needs. Make sure to check it out. LAFB gambling, and now to the Bruin Bible. SEC offers and that's pretty much the list of recruits for UCLA. This is Will Decker, your host with Jamal Madney, who signed out. Uh, what an episode that was. Uh, make sure you are liking and subscribing the YouTube channel we've got with UCLA LAFB. It's going to be a fun year. We've got a special episode coming on Saturday uh, with one of the UCLA fans that we would love to talk to. I'll let you get to that when the episode comes out. But make sure you're tuning into all Bruin Bible stuff. Will Decker, your host, we are officially out. What is up and welcome to the latest edition of the Bruin Bible. We got a very special guest in the house, former Butkiss Award winner for your UCLA Bruins. One of my personal favorites watching the Bruins over the year, years 2010 through 2014, was a staple in those Jim Mora teams, was recruited by New Heisel. My guy, Eric Kendricks in the house. What is going on, brother? It's great to have you on. What's up? How you doing? Dude, we're doing great over here. Uh, just a lot to recap with your career in football. I'm going to be talking a lot about 
kind of your journey out in Fresno, what brought you to UCLA, what brought you to the Vikings, kind of your draft process. But upon request, when I reached out to you, you wanted to talk some cars. So I think we got to start with the cars first and foremost. And I've done my research, EK. I, I see what's in the garage. Um, you have a 1995 Dodge Viper that was your grandpa's. Am I correct? Yep. Absolutely. You got a 93 Mustang, a Subaru, a Porsche GT, uh, GTS, I believe. And GT3 RS. GT3, bro. So I, I admittedly, like I'm not as big into cars as some of my homies are. But when I saw the Porsche that you pulled up, I think the all-white version of the GTS is my dream car. What color do you got the Porsche in, man? I got the Porsche in a – it's called Chalk. So it's like a – it's kind of like a, a light gray, but uh, super, super uh, popular the past couple of years. Um, I think it's an amazing color. It'll look good probably forever if I keep it. Bro, hell yeah. No, I got to see some pics of this whip, dude. But break. I'm going to break it down with each car. Subaru, man. Maybe not – the car that I think a lot of people would like think you would be whipping around, but I've got buddies that are swearing by Subarus. They have either a hatchback or whether it's built nicely. They love the Subaru. Give me the breakdown of why you went with the STI. Um, for me, it was, I was in Minnesota, so I needed a car that could handle the, the weather and the, um, you know, the snow and the Subaru all wheel drive system is like one of the stronger ones. So I knew that, but also, you know, that the boxer engine is like kind of like it's kind of iconic in the especially in the in the, in the Japanese uh, market. So yeah. uh, I knew I had I, my buddy had one in high school. Um, I loved it, and I and I always kind of wanted one. Uh, I got more comfortable driving in the snow as I lived in Minnesota, and this year you know we kind of needed another car, so I found I found an excuse to kind of get a, another sports car <laughs> that I could <laughs> that's practical, you know has has a great back seat, has excellent trunk room, has great ground clearance. So, you know, just another excuse to get a, a, a legendary a vehicle. And it's and you know they stopped making the STR, so um, the, the the year I have is the last the last year they made it. Dude, that's ill. And like for everyone that I know that has it, they rave about how it's made. They rave about the off you know uh, driving off road capabilities that a Subaru has. And my pops, he moved to Michigan. He's originally from California. He said driving out there in the snow is like no joke. Like it's really difficult to drive. So I get it, man. Trying to get those, those cars that match the terrain of those Minnesota roads. So we got through the Subaru. 93 Mustang. It's a clean look. And if I were to compare your car collection to just what I've seen from some other athletes, Devin Booker's comes to mind because you like those early 90s, you know, late 80s type of cars. What made you want to go with the Mustang, my man? I mean, these are these are all kind of cars that um, I grew up loving. And you know, when I was when I was 15 and a half, and I was about to get my driver's license, got my driver's license as soon as I turned 16. You know, um, that was the car that I was trying to get. You know, my parents thought it was ridiculous, and they absolutely not. But uh, I was like looking it up, and like that's the car I wanted. And um, so, you know, when I got to the league, my first year, I actually um, began my search for them. And to find a really clean one, the kind that I wanted, it was uh, – they were starting to get expensive. I was thinking about getting, like, more of a shell and then building it up myself. But um, rather than do that, I, I waited a couple years, um, had a couple deals fall through. So, thankfully, I waited, found a really clean one, and then kind of um, 
resto modded it in a sense where I kept everything that's great about the car and that's original about the car original. And then things like the brakes and the steering, you know, I, I tightened up a little bit so they could kind of drive, drive safely pretty much. Um, so yeah, you know, that was my, that was my dream car coming. Uh, that was my dream car coming from high school and um, I'm glad that I was able to get it for sure. Dude, it's, it's, it's amazing. Nice. It's so fun to drive. Oh, dude, it looks it looks ridiculous. Like a '93 Mustang, it was a great year for Mustangs. I did my research on your car collections. Like I said, I had to put in the work for this interview. But how many miles do you got on that bad boy? Um, it's actually in kilometers. Cars from from Canada, so it has yeah. around fifty thousand kilometers. So I don't know what that breaks down to mileage wise, but um, it's pretty pretty low mileage. Very clean, black interior, black leather interior, and um, yeah, I mean. It's, it's, uh, it's a head turner for people, not, not like people, people my age, like they love it. But like, I would say like 10 years older, like those people actually drove it in high school. So those like, you know, the 40 year olds, the, you know, old heads coming. Yeah. They, they're the ones that, they're the ones that come out of the woodworks and and they want, and they want to talk about the car and you know how they used to have one. And I love those interactions the most when I'm, when I'm driving, that's what, that's what, that's why I pick kind of unique cars. It's also the last year, uh, of production for that one as well. It's a great conversation point too. And I want to get into just kind of your association with the coffee and cars event that you did as well. Um, but let's take it to the Dodge Viper. This seems like a special car, given it's a connection to your grandpa. I don't know if you ever played need for speed, like the original <laughs> version back in the day, but they had that candy apple red uh, Dodge Viper 95. It was the same year as in the game. And that was always the car I would pick. You know, I was always on the Dodge Viper what makes this a special car outside of the connection with your grandpa? Um, yeah, like you said, you know, it's an iconic car. Um, the, that, that amount of horsepower that early was, like, unheard of. It was the fastest car. It was, like, nobody was doing that. Um, I think uh, Carol Shelby is the one who designed the, the body for it. Uh, but, like you said, that candy apple red, that, so the car came in three colors, and it was uh, red, it was yellow, and it was black, like, straight up. And um, I think the car is special, the first version. Is because it's a little rough around the edges. They literally just threw it together. They wanted to go racing. Um, everything is in an unpractical, impract, like, unconvenient way. Um, kind of batteries behind the wheel. Just weird, weird, quirky things about the car. But in that, in, in the same breath, you know, it's fast. It's fast as hell. You have to respect it. Um, it's just fun. And and on, honestly, I don't know how many are left on the road because of how many were wrecked in the past. So. I think that we'll start to see these numbers um, kind of be more true and we'll, we'll get a better idea in the future, but they also stopped making the Dodge Viper as well. So I think yeah. it's important to, to just kind of cherish the first generation. It was my grandpa's. I'm going to keep it in the family. Um, and I've been able to work on it myself and restore it um, back to, back to really good condition. Well, EK, man, I could say you're like your grandpa because you guys get from point A to point B in style, dog. I mean, a Viper is no joke. That's a, that's a slick car your mm-hmm. grandpa was rolling around in. The Porsche GT, I mean, dude, this car, when I Googled it, I had always known Porsche was kind of my car. I need the all-white like I was talking about. This was your dream car, apparently, from what I read. What was, like, the, the process of going in and purchasing your dream car, the research process? Like, how much effort did you put into this? Because – I know you're a bigger car guy than most of us. I want to hear what it was like for you to go in and just finally get the car of your dreams. So I remember the first time I actually saw uh, the the GG3 RS, um, 
it was actually on my recruiting visit to UCLA. We were at Gladstones and I saw one in the parking lot. It was the previous version, but I remember seeing the carbon wing and, uh, and like the, the, the body lines of the car and being like, whoa, like, you know, I've, I haven't really been a fan of Porsche, but like, let me like take a look at this. Um, fast forward a bunch of years later, um, I'm in the league now and I'm actually able to test drive cars. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking about what do I, what do I want? You know, I'm, I know that, you know, cars is my passion. So I'm test driving all these vehicles. Like I, that's what I do for fun. I go to dealership, 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 and I just drive everything I can, everything they let me drive really. And, um, I, I drove the G, the, the, the previous version of the GT3 RS and I was like, I was immediately hooked. It was the, the way it breaks, the way, the way it accelerates, you know, it's nationally aspirated. I was in love with all the sound of it. And um, I put it on the bucket list. You know, I put it on, I put it on the, the forefront of what I wanted to get um, when I signed the next contract. So I think it was one of the, the bigger purchases I had as soon as I signed. Dude, that's so sick. And uh, just happy for you to get your dream car, man. Not everyone can achieve their dream car just in life, man. But a couple more questions with the cars. Like, you got, are you like an ambassador for Bridgestone? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, been a great, they've been a great partner. Um, I went to Bridgestone Winter Driving School, which was an excellent experience. Also taught me how to, you know, um, the proper way to, you know, to stop and accelerate in the snow um, and how important tire grip is. So that was, that was pretty fun. And, you know, just did, did a lot of cool things with them around the Super Bowl last year. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, best tires around. Um, can't, can't complain at all. I got them on my, all my vehicles. They do very well. Yeah, and that's just like such a – that's so cool for someone like in your shoes because you probably get approached about a lot of stuff. But when someone comes with a car angle, you're like, dude, let's talk. Like this sounds like a great thing. Was It was probably just – they reached out and you like responded probably within like five minutes. Was it that simple to join? No, the no. Actually, it wasn't. So I had actually I, – I knew that I wanted to partner with the tire company, and, it, and, it, and the way it happened was very organic. You know, I was introduced to them, but I had been having this this idea in my head, and – you know, it only makes sense for what I love or my passion on and off the field. But in the same breath, I know that Bridgestone is very uh, philanthropic and I know that they, they care about the community and things like that. And one of my ideas that I had was the fact that, um, you know, me growing up, I remember my, when I got to college, uh, you know, one of my first like off the off campus checks actually went to my mother's tires. I had to buy, buy her new, new tires because they were bald. And I know the importance of, you know, tire safety when you're on the road. So fast forward now into the NFL this past year, I was able to, um, we were able, me and Bridgestone partnered together and we were able to give uh, eight sets of tires away, away to, you know, people who may need them. And, and especially in Minnesota, um, that, that tire grip is everything when, it, when it's snowing outside. So that was pretty cool full circle moment for me. I kind of put it on my, my list of things that I wanted to do while I was in the NFL and, you know, Fortunately, the organic relationship with Bridgestone came up and we were able to get that done. So shout out to them. Shout out to Bridgestone is right. And I just got to ask one more car question, dude. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical here. You can add two cars to your garage in the next two to three years. What are those cars and why? Because you're already rolling with a nice extensive list, but you can add two hypothetical cars to your list. I think you're going to do it anyways, given that you're the car guy that we know you are. Give me those two cars, man, because I am, I'm just, I feel like I'm learning a lot through you talking about your passion about cars. Yeah. With no, with, with no price or anything in mind, I would say, um, 
a Ferrari uh, four five eight Speciale. Um, what color? What color on that? I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. I think it's got to come to me. But uh, I think it's just a great car. Um, everybody who I who I knew at at Ferrari when I did the, the a drive at Road Atlanta a few years back, they were just saying how how perfect the car is because it's kind of like still raw and still you know visceral as far as the driving experience, but also modern enough to be safe and having to have a really great drive. So I think that that's a great car. And um, another car that I would pick is like um, obviously a old school Porsche, the nine five nine. I think I don't know. I've never, I never, I didn't really like it at first, but um, I think the nine five nine is really growing on me. Um, it's just a, it's a beautiful car. Dude, it's the best, man. Uh, do you ever watch uh, comedians in cars getting coffee at all? I've is seen it? a few episodes for sure. Yeah, Jerry's on his on his shit, man. Like he gets like the nicest whips rolling through there. So Jerry. With the bankroll he's got, I mean, I'm, I just respect the craft, man. That guy's got some whips. The uh, last, uh, this last, this last uh, weekend, I was driving and um, happened to be driving right behind Jay Leno's uh, McLaren. Oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. I, 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 I was waiting. I was kind of driving around. We, we kind of went the same way to get to get home for me. But I was kind of driving behind him, like, man, if he stops, I'm definitely gonna stop and talk about cars, like, with him. But he ended up going one way. I ended up going the other way. But it was pretty cool. Bro, I bet if you just like stopped him just because your knowledge of cars, you guys could have like a 20 minute conversation. One of my dreams would be to tour his like car. I think he has like multiple garages just filled mm-hmm. with cars and like warehouses, like that type of size. So Jay Leno's a dream guy. We got to get on, you know, to talk about whips, dude. So that'd be sweet. That Let's be. take it to some football stuff, dude. Um, you're originally from Fresno. Uh, your pops played at UCLA. Your brother played at Cal and played in the NFL as well. Uh, was that kind of the main uh, point, just the family connection to football that brought you to the game? Um, definitely. I think that I, my brothers and my dad, I think, were the biggest influence as far as football was, uh, for me. Um, my my older brother, Chad, I remember him teaching us, you know, um, how to run counters and how to run powers and, you know, how to run stretches. When we were, like, super young, uh, just kind of going over the handoffs and the footwork in the backyard. Uh, and I remember going with my brother Terrence, uh, you know, to flag football games when we were, you know, sixth, gr- sixth grade, seventh grade, and we were playing with adults out there. So I think that all that all kind of prepared me for um, the next level for sure. Yeah. How many siblings do you have? Um, there's seven of us total. Um, so shout out to all my, my brothers and sisters. Love y'all. Yeah. Shout out to the Kendricks family, man. That's awesome. So push to football at an early age. And I was looking at kind of your background at Hoover High School out in Fresno, man. You were a three-sport athlete, and I think it's it was funny just to see some of the positions because I know you as the sideline-to-sideline side linebacker. You were a kicker and punter on the team too. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I really think that I could have – if I would have just stuck with the punting thing, um, my, my high school coach was an actual punter in, in, uh, in, in college. So he was actually teaching me how to drop it and, you know, how to, ki- how to, how to kick it. So – I was actually pretty decent at it. Now, I didn't want to do that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, take any credit away from the punters who really do it because it's it's obviously a serious job. But uh, I was pretty decent. Dude, I bet you were, man. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone's wondering what would it be if Eric Kendrick stuck with punting. You know what I mean? When you when they look at your football career now, you were a quarterback as well as, as, well as a running back. Give me your type of quarterback game. Were you the traditional drop back quarterback? Were you kind of running the option? What was your game like at QB? Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of running, but um, 
you know, I have, I have a pretty good arm, so there was some throwing, but uh, I think it's just one of those situations where, you know, you got to get one of your better athletes at, at quarterback and just see what happens kind of thing. Um, I have so much respect for quarterbacks because it was extremely hard and, and difficult. I think with my knowledge of the game now, if I went back and played quarterback, I would be much more successful. But uh, I, I can't do that. So, granted, my experience at quarterback, very difficult. Um, and hats off to those guys who really do it because uh, it's definitely hard. Dude, absolutely. And then I saw your background as well. You played, you played basketball and you played baseball. Uh, so what type, of, what type of ball player were you on the hardwood? What type of baseball player were you? Sorry, my dog. Oh, you're um, all good, baseball man. Player, baseball, player, baseball was so fun to me. Um, yeah. Because, I, because our basketball team was really good and because, um, you know, I played football as well, I think that I never really got a, a full baseball, like, season or, like, you know, a full baseball year under my belt. But it was just so much fun and so, and so like, na- I want to say natural, but, like, I always loved baseball. Hitting the ball was, 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 was so much fun to me and just the thrill of the, of the one-on-one battles in, in between the game. But I played shortstop my senior year. Um, before that, I played like second and third. I played a little bit of catcher, um, outfield, you know, so I definitely played all the positions in, in uh, baseball. I, I wouldn't consider myself a pitcher. I was a little too wild for that. Um, but uh, I loved hitting. I loved hitting. I batted yeah. number one. Um, and, man, just a feeling of a home run. I think the feeling of a home run, you really can't. Like, I've scored a touchdown before, and I, I think a home run is a little bit of a different feeling. It's a little bit sweeter because it's kind of just like just you. You know what I mean? Just you running it's around the bases. Click. Yeah, it's such a click. And then just that slow trot around the bases. It's so nice, dude. Yeah, but it's just – it's just ah, it just feels so flush when you hit it. Wow. So, it's it's there's nothing like it for sure. Dude, yeah. Ba- I played baseball back in the day, so that was my kind of main sports. I loved it. I was like a third baseman. Was batting like fifth or sixth. Were you like three hole, four hole hitter, or were you like kind of like lead off? Given that you're pretty fast on the. No, uh, I batted. I batted lead off. Yeah, uh, I think my whole my entire senior year. Uh, so I loved it though. You know, let's get let's go right away, and I get to go, I and thought. I get a bat a little bit more than everybody else too. <laughs> yeah, that extra at bat is clutch, man. That lead off because you get like at least one or two more than just the other guys mm-hmm. in the team. But like, you know what? I always tell people with baseball is like. You know, it can be a little bit boring watching it, but playing it, playing it is so much fun. Like, it is a it is a blast. You got all your buddies there on the team. It's just a great experience. So, you played three sports in high school. It came time to decide for a college, man. You were looking at different places. Um, UCLA eventually was the choice uh, with Jerry Neuheisel. What were some of the schools you were looking at outside of UCLA? I know your brother played at Cal. Um, and then what made Jerry Neuheisel's pitch the best one for you? Um, so let's back it up. I feel like I wasn't, didn't get that many offers and didn't get that many choices to begin with. Fresno State was my first offer, Nevada, um, Washington State, Stanford came in the mix a little bit late, you know, obviously most of the Pac-12 schools, but like nobody was really offering like that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, so, um, UCLA had a really good, uh, recruiting class my, my year and, the thing that the thing that Neuheisel was talking about was um, I reminded him of Donnie Edwards. He always would say I reminded him of Donnie Edwards. And um, it's funny because 
my 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 linebacker coach of the Vikings would say something similar this past year because um, he coached him as well. So uh, I think then just taking a look at my my film and him just seeing that I played I played quarterback, I played running back, I played linebacker, I, I punted, I kicked. Um, he just couldn't get over that, so he just said that he had to find a space for me on the roster. My dad went to UCLA. For me, UCLA was always one of the schools I wanted to go to. Um, UCLA, uh, Texas, and UNC was like those are like the schools that I liked. Yeah. Didn't even get didn't even get sniffed by you know Texas or UNC. Um, didn't really have it like that. But uh, when UCLA did come knocking, um, I decided to just you know take the leap of faith and compete. Uh, you know, even though I was one of the lowest recruits in the class, for sure. Yeah, dude. I was in North Carolina, too. As a guy growing up, I played basketball. It was that light baby blue look. It was man. the baby it was so blue. Clean. You know? It was so clean, man. Like, it was the coolest looking jerseys. So, I obviously rode with the Tar Heels for a long time. I still got my Tar Heels, like, blanket in my house that I got. Didn't go there at all, either, just as a fan. <laughs> uh, so, got to love them. Uh, so, you went to UCLA, and I think what a lot of us remember is it was such a sweet time to be a UCLA Bruin fan, you know, the three straight wins over USC, um, you're paired with Anthony Barr, who became your teammate with the Vikings. Do you remember the first time you met Anthony Barr and what is your guys' relationship like today, having played together in college and now in the pros? The first time I met him was at uh, our official visit at UCLA. Um, but shortly after, we, um, we had grad night, uh, where it's like all the schools in California, all the seniors, they kind of go to Disneyland. And it was a bunch of people that were committed to UCLA, and we all were hanging out at grad night, kind of like, yeah, we're the UCLA boys, you know, like type thing. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like from then we started uh, my first year or two at UCLA, me and him had every single class together. We both, we both like got a similar score on the English pro test. So we were on all the same English classes. And uh, we kind of just, we kind of just uh, were kicking it. You know, he was on offense at that time. And shortly he moved to defense, and the rest is the rest is Anthony Barr's uh, amazing career as well. So we already know what he we, what he meant to the to the Bruins and what he's done in the league as well. Dude, yeah. Do you have like a favorite game memory from playing at UCLA? Like one game or play that stands out more so than the others in your time as a Bruin? Yeah that 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 first game at, at uh, that first game we beat the we beat USC in the Rose Bowl. I feel like was where. You know, Anthony had the big hit and everything like that. Um, for me, it was like – it was such a weird weather day. It was like everything was just kind of felt weird about it. The stadium was packed. You know, the rain was off and on. It seemed like the rain was only coming on when we were on offense and, like, in the worst times, it seemed like. But, like, it just seemed like we had to weather the storm. Like, that's what that's what it was. Like, I don't know. It was a great – it was a great – confidence builder for our team the next few years and um it was a great like welcoming to Jim Morris you know uh you know career at UCLA as well so we were very we were we were we were a good squad we still have tons of people in the NFL right to this day you know that whole that whole kind of uh uh three or four years after that and um you know some those are the, those are the guys I'm closest to this day to I love it, man. And you you alluded to that. that was actually going to be my next question. New Eisel comes in. It doesn't last long. Jim Mora comes in. What was Jim Mora like as a coach? Because I think Bruins fans, no matter how it ended, I think a lot of coaching, you know, stints, unfortunately, end. Uh, you know, no coach can stay at one school forever is the, is the way I like to put it. 
But we have such fond memories, like I said, of just beating up on USC. You alluded to the bar hit. You being a part of some of those big victories. What does Coach Mora, uh, you know, mean to you as a player and you, you know, playing under him? Yeah, you know, I obviously was recruited by Duhasel, and, and I love that guy. Um, you know, he brought me in there. He believed in me. He got me the opportunity. Um, he knew what kind of player I was going to be. Unfortunately, you know, I think after my my first year or second year, he he they they got rid of him. And, but when Jim Moore came in, it was like we were we were building we were building tough guys. Like it was like no question. This is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna do it. But in the same breath, like if you saw more in the hallway you could talk about video games you could talk about you know a girl that your girlfriend you know you could talk about like anything which i thought was 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 amazing because he was able to separate you know the two we were all able to have the same understanding of when we got to get our work in but um yeah it was a, it was a it was a fun time i think that he had a bunch of people who were young and impressionable and um we 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 we, we bought in and we got some wins for sure Dog, he has balled out. Uh, Brett Hundley, you know, one of the quarterbacks that I loved watching play was so exciting. It was a little bit, you know, more like DTR in recent years with just the dual threat ability, him making plays. Hundley was sensational. And you saw the amount of wins he was able to put and compile in his UCLA career as well. Some of the records he set when he left campus. What was it like knowing as a defense, we've got one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the Pac-12 trotting out every week? Yeah, Hundley, man. I remember his first uh, his first game. We played Rice, and this Ooh. dude scored on the first play, like out the gate, running the ball. I think he just a little zone read, and he was out, like seventy <laughs> yards. I remember going on defense, and them kind of driving the field a little bit. We give it back to the offense, and they scored like two plays later, the same kind of fashion. I remember being so tired that first quarter, that first quarter or half. We were in Houston. It was super humid, first game of the year, super sweaty, like, and our offense is, is scoring in, like, one or two plays. So we were just playing straight defense that whole half. I had to get IVs at half. I was cramping up. But, yes. um, you know, it was the Hundley show, you know what I mean? Uh, so I couldn't complain, really. <laughs> dude, he's, he's a great dude. Also a baseball player back in high school. Like, he was pretty nasty at that, too, from what I just, remember. Just a good dude, you know what I mean? Just a great guy. Yeah, great ambassador for the University of UCLA, too. And, you know, by the time you left, Eric, you had won some, you know, postseason awards in a UCLA uniform, and it was time to go to the NFL draft. How did you prepare for it? Because I think everyone kind of goes to these facilities, and as somebody that's on the outside looking in, it just seems like such a crazy process where basically for four or five straight months, you're just in a facility training. You're not doing much of anything. You're just building towards that future. What was that like, and where did you train? Yeah, I traded in Arizona. Um, it was, Excellent. It was, yeah, it was yeah. A, it was it was a good situation, you know. Um, got me dialed in, got me focused. Um, but I think that nothing can prepare me for the NFL quite like UCLA prepared me. You know, we went over the, a lot of the combine stuff and everything like that. But just the values that I had already, you know, just the the values and the repetitions I had got at UCLA, things that I naturally did and, and wanted to do. Um, that's what prepared me for the league. You know, um, obviously the combine is, is a, is a step in the process, you know, uh, you have to go through it. So the exos training and stuff like that is literally just for the combine, which is kind of wild because you do so, you do so much cramming for one event. And then it's like, Oh, now we have to go back to playing football. Cause that wasn't football. You know what I mean? That was like, 
you know, preparing for the interview of football. So, um, I think the fat, the faster I can get back to that was, was the, was better. So got to the Vikings, um, you know, got the playbook playbook was way harder. Everything was way different, but in the same breath, my process at UCLA set me up for extreme success. Dude, I love it. And I know you, you're a busy man. Uh, you know, we, we appreciate you coming on. We just got one more question for you. You've been a lifelong Viking since you've joined the NFL. You played there for almost close to a decade. What does that franchise mean to you? And what makes their fans different than the average fan of the NFL? Man, the franchise has meant a lot to me. You know, I've grown up so much as I've been there. And, uh, you know, all the experiences I've had, the teammates that I've played with, you know, the the wins and the losses, you know, all the memories and experiences. But, uh, you know, I think that the the thing that stands out to me most about me is the fans and is is the environment which we played in. And um, I played outside one door. I got to experience the cold weather. You know, obviously I lived there eight years. And it was just – it's rocking in there. You know, it's it, – the, the fans will always show up no matter what. They'll always be ready to cheer on for their Vikings. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great place to play. Dog, that's awesome. Well, Eric Kendricks, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. The Bruin Bible, you know, you are uh, no longer currently a Bruin, but you are a Bruin for life, and we cheer for you, you know, every single year, uh, regardless if you're playing in the league or not. So, Eric, we're so thrilled you came on, man, and just really appreciate you. Appreciate it. Take it easy. Awesome. Have a good one, man.